Hello everyone, nice to see you. Um, what a joy and a privilege it is to be here in a beautiful hotel in Ibiza for the International Music Summit with Reset Rebel and the incredible Earth Percent that we're going to hear lots about, no doubt. Um, we are here for a conversation with some incredible women on the power of voice. My name is Alice Aidy, I'm a documentary filmmaker and the co-founder of Earthrise which is a climate impact driven media company. And for the past seven years, I've been traveling to climate front lines to document the human cost of climate change, to Somalia to document drought, to Brazil to document indigenous communities protecting biodiversity um, all around the world, uh, to give a human face and share the human stories, I guess, that we're all too often missing from climate storytelling. I would love to hear from each of the three of you, um, if you could introduce yourselves briefly and share what does the power of voice mean to you? Hello, everyone. I'm Ebian Zanini Chimba. Um, I am a Somali, Nubian, and Italian multidisciplinary artist, poet, and dancer. I teach about feminine mysticism and decolonial practices and mindset. And I am a, first and foremost, a student of the healing power of the voice. And your question is, can we just define the power of voice? Yeah, what, what does it mean to you? I think what we come here mean? with a different perspective on, on what that means to each of us. So yeah. what does it mean to you? A lot of my art has been born from actually a voice that has healed me internally in deep, dark nights. And that voice is like a voice of higher wisdom or like an older sister or a mother figure that, you know, and I ask this question sometimes to myself or to a friend when they're like in, in a place of, of challenge and it's, what would you say to, to yourself if you were your daughter? And it's interesting how just through that reframe we can have a deep impact on ourselves. And so... For me, the power of voice also comes from what is the very medicine that like, we have drunk from and what has helped to like, make this human you know, journey through life, which is filled with beauty but also filled with challenge, a little bit more worth living. And so the, the voice in music and in song or the voice through written word and poetry, the voice through storytelling, but also the simplicity of the emanation and the vibration of a voice of someone when they're speaking to you. And I think that we can all recognize this like in a conversation when someone speaks to you and they're speaking from a place of deep listening and of deep respect, not for your labels, not for your titles or your anything else other than the actual like spirit of the being who is sitting in front of me. And that is a really beautiful um, healing power that we have even around a dinner table. Over to you, Sophie. Always, always petrifying to go after Evian. <laughs> Beautiful. And um, I guess it's nice to like move from what you've said into what I was hearing as well. 
and that integrity of voice as well is something that's really coming through it's like first of all my name is Sophie Schnapp um I'm here hosting the eco space at the IMS and um there's lots of room for improvement but uh, it's great to be able to kind of talk about the power of music um in the in the world of climate change because essentially music has got such a strong voice um both politically and actually sonically we're here in Ibiza and there are m- so many millions of people that come here to listen to music and often currently it's like dance and electronic music and people come because music is their faith and they come they come to listen to musicians that they love to escape and that's their that's their face that's that's their following in this current moment so it's like for me the voice in change making is twofold is like having a voice through music through the sound of our actual voices mouths and then having a political stance is another voice and so i feel that being here at the IMS particularly where there's so many people that have got such power for change making it would be wonderful to know that the voices on both of those levels are being used for bringing people back their faith in humanity spirituality climate affairs um that's how i see a voice here being used well thank you more on that in a moment um molly hi my name is molly mendoza and i work in the healing arts with dance and embodiment and i'm also a female empowerment coach Um, I was also deeply involved in the music world and I'm still involved in using the power of sound as a tool for connection. Mm. What the power of voice means to me is something which is represented both externally and internally. Something that on the most basic level speaks to the journey to finding our own voice and that in itself can be a full, full deep dive. It might not be something that we get to of this is my power, this is my voice, but something that is constantly in evolution, constantly changing from the ways that we speak to ourselves to the ways that we create boundaries in our life, the way that we communicate. And so much in my field, the thing that I'm excited by is something called the art of relating, how it is that we relate to, to nature, to one another, to family, to earth, to health, really coming into an optimal relationship with everything that is around us and finding an empowered voice within that means that we get to speak to what is true for us, what are our values within that. So it's this constant discovery. And I think that allowing it to be constantly changing and constantly found and refound and resurfacing again and again and again is a place where I find a lot of inspiration is to always be finding my own voice in a diverse field. So all four of us are deeply passionate, I guess, about the power of voice because we're passionate about the power of storytelling. And certainly I think, you know, I, I, I return back to a mission statement every day with my work that I believe that stories shape values, values shape culture, culture shapes leaders, leaders shapes policy and policy shapes the system. So I fundamentally believe in the power of storytelling to shape and change 
systems. Um, we are here at a music event, a conference. I wonder if you have any thoughts on how we define uh, music and storytelling. Do you see music as a form of storytelling? And what would you expand it to kind of uh, encompass? Uh, it speaks so to your point about how music has the potential to carry such a profound message. I wonder if are we, is, is the industry rising to that challenge and how could we expand beyond music in a traditional form to poetry and some of the practices that you guys lead with? Straight answer, no. <laughs> but what's, what is beautiful and what is exciting is that there is so much space for c community work currently. There's so much space for expansion and the idea of being far more holistic. So... Um, we know that the music industry in the past has been at the forefront of different um, huge campaigns from just the most recent Black Lives Matter to like, you know, Earth Aid, Live, Live Aids, the Live Aids and Stopping Poverty to most of the different bi biggest kind of revolutions have come through music change makers. And we're finding it hard to even get green riders in with artists. It's like, it's, there's a serious blockage here. And yet the fashion industry, Louis Vuitton, they, their shows have to be carbon positive. It's like, what, what's stopping us? Why are we so petrified? And then in talking to the big artists, for example, Ellie Goulding, who is a UN ambassador for climate change, she says whenever she posts about climate change, her followers drop rapidly. So again, it's going back to exactly the pivotal point of our values, um, where we are in this world. We're in a world of like profound individualism, getting lost on social media and too scared to speak up. Um, so I think we can all kind of bat and ball off this point because we, I think we all have a lot to say on it, but that's the beginning. Can I, uh, with that in mind then, can you speak to what Earth Percent are doing and the mission of Earth Percent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I moved from politics. I was working with the European Commission on um, decarbonisation politics for 12 years. Which I didn't know until recently. It's yeah, so yeah, badass. Yeah. And it makes so much sense, but I would <laughs> never have guessed it. Yeah. Secrets. <laughs> we, no, we don't like secrets. We like truths. But um, I moved over to Earth Percent because they... So the rhetoric within the European Commission and all Europe, um, climate policymakers is like... They've got the policies up and running. How do we make it sexy? Yeah. And I was like, this is not sexy. Like, this is really not sexy for me. And hearing this for the past 10 years is even less sexy. Like, turn off the broken record and let's try and make change. Turn off because it's a turn off. Literally. So I went over to a record playing industry where instead of politicians being hated and not followed, musicians have fans and they are a and like devoted faith makers so it's like okay wow there's one of the one of my biggest heroes Brian Eno starting a charity called Earth Percent to bring the music industry into the climate conversation and to develop a huge community of people within the music industry to make change unleash the power of music and service of the planet it's like who wouldn't want to be part of that it's like shifting values but it's also having friends, having a community, like coming together for the sake of making change. Like it was a very simple, simple move. And 
wow earth percent they're just it's just we're constantly trying to move the bar change the dial in the music industry and become an industry standard so all musicians and all of the music industry can come in and help give funds back directly back to the climate but also you can come and have fun with us like we are here um yeah yeah um yeah so i love that you talked about how do we make this sexy because I think it's key. And there's a, a quote by June Jordan that says, the role of the poet is to make the revolution irresistible. And I would obviously expand that to the role of the artist. So in this particular case, we took a talk about like what is our responsibility in creating art? It doesn't necessarily mean to take a stance politically and to p further polarize, but it does mean to move us forward as a culture. And so... That does require, as Molly was saying earlier, first and foremost, finding our voice is also an internal dive. It's not always this external look towards the other and towards the culture, but we have to, we, we can define ourselves and, and make meaning of life also based on our times. And we live in this transitional human moment where we really have a chance. We have a chance, but things are looking grim. And we want to enjoy ourselves in the process. And that's part of why music is so magical. And, you know, like, I couldn't actually create any of the work that I create without the base of music. And Molly also, like, there's... Sound is the first eminence of creation, you know, the, the wave of sound before there was even form. So there's a communication there that is incredibly powerful that helps also launch the rest of the, let's say, expressional forms of existence. And so how do we make it sexy? And I think that that process first it's like it's an intentionality it's an, an, a, a willingness to get real and rugged and and to care you know to care about where is there injustice where is there a direction we see things going and then to help us enjoy ourselves and so there's something we spoke about at dinner a few days ago around the difference between hedonistic culture and expansive culture and there's this, we could even say conscious expand, expanding culture. And we can even talk about drug use within this. So looking even at some of the historical like legends in music and the drugs of choice they took or the drugs of choice of the people listening, it's, it's a reflection also of what is this substance bringing out of us? Why does it, why are there people drawn towards it? And there's always this like fine line, obviously, of where it can go awry. But there is a hedonistic drug use and there is a conscious expansion, expanding substance use or let's say ally use for how we can grow our minds, we can grow our human experience and we can grow as a collective. And so part of that, just the last thing I want to leave off is this, this phrase that came to me once like at a party in Wumun where I had been like knocking my head into the wall trying to communicate things that matter to me but obviously in a way that it could be rece received. And after I finally did, and there was this moment of just like joy and expansion, and a friend was DJing afterwards, and even my ideas of like electronic and all the technology, it just it disappeared because we need to use the systems of modernity to help bring back also or bring forward like the natural human spirit and find harmony, you know? And in this moment, I remember thinking and speaking into the mic, we got to make the party so good, even the demons want to join us. And that's what I feel about this, you know? So, like, say something of worth, but say it so, like, juicily that even the demons want to be there partying with us, you know? 
Thank you so much. I just want to bounce off that, um, this binary sort of duality between hedonism and expansive culture seems to be incredibly uh, symbolic on this island. I wonder if you can speak as someone who's lived here for many years and with chapters abroad. Um, why do you think, like, I guess both what is happening here on the island and why is there in turn so much potential as a result? And I want to give them a chance to speak because I think you guys have a lot to say. I'm just going to clarify what I even mean when I say hedonism and what I, how I understand that definition. So hedonism is a form of escape. It's a form of having fun that is actually like numbing or staying superficially into in, in let's say, the human experience. So we can avoid, we can take, you know, this moment of just like checking out from everything, but nothing actually changes in our life. So a cultural expansive experience or art or, or you know, ally or substance use is one that is expansive, it's transformational. So that means there is celebration there, there is fun. It's not like work, 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 and, you know, that that is not the case, but there is a different energetics between the two. And that is absolutely present on this island, and I think it's shifting. It's present all over the world, and often it's present in really powerful like vortexes, um, like Tulum here, like there's this duality and then there's this attempt to reclaim a soulfulness and that's part of what I feel uh, is the direction and, and hopefully what is happening in conferences like this one. Yeah. Moral change, um, as Ebby said, is outside but also within. I wonder if you can speak to that, um, both personal and planetary health. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, the connection to, at least in my own experience, to finding a deeper care around the environment and what is happening culturally, what is happening socially, politically, was first from coming into a space where I felt connected. I feel that it's really hard to, for myself at least, to develop a deep sense of empathy and compassion for what is happening around me if I am not connected to myself. And so a lot of the work that I focus on in sound is what way can sound support us in diving into this connection with ourselves and in that noticing how it shifts the way in which we relate to the world around us. And my feeling when we come into a more empowered sense of voice is that we are going to speak up for the things that matter to us. And what is so beautiful is that each of us are going to care so differently about different pieces. And there is space and absolute need for each of those things to to exist the way in which Ebby the way in which Alice the way in which Sophie all care about the specific ways of what has developed for them as the things that inspire them and then our art gets to actually spark from a place that's authentic and this word authentic is used so much but for me what it means is something that actually feels real and is coming from us not sparked from something solely outside of us it's something which like oh that piece of art that poem that creation that project that non-profit like that has come through me because it's something that I really really care about and if we each are able to access those pieces in our life without the shame of oh but it's not the same as them it's not the same as them is it at the forefront of this project no but it might be at the forefront of that which might seem small to someone else but if it really speaks to the heart and to your own authenticity to your own what I would call spirit and connection, then that's going to be the place that we can actually make a change with our voice because we have to care. Yeah. 
It's beautiful to hear um, in each of you there's a sort of profound link between the crisis of climate, culture, and consciousness. Um, and it is one of my big profound <laughs> frustrations with climate storytelling and climate work is that it always seems to be happening in a vacuum or the issue itself is spoken about and story told about as if it is separate to humans. It is purely a, a problem of nature and biodiversity. And that's what, what drove me into climate storytelling in the first place. I was like, where are the story, the human costs, the, the intersection with climate justice, how this is intersectional. It's a sort of all-encompassing issue which will impact every element of our lives. The coming decades will happen in the theatre of climate change. And I dream about a moment where you know, these conversations aren't happening separate from the main event, but are integrated into it, where there is no sustainability department of a massive fast fashion corporate, but it is integrated and, and woven into the DNA um, of these companies. But I wonder if you could each touch on uh, that link between climate, culture and consciousness and what needs to change and how we might implement that change. It's a big one. Can we like can we make it a bat and bally maybe just yeah, like throw some ideas around? First of all, I wanted to say to yours, Ebby, on your quote, we we have a quote that's like the best way to um, beat the opposition is to throw a better party. So there is it is about celebration and like and opportunity and seeing this new space of the three of those elements coming together as really exciting and like as a place that is at the forefront of making a new world possible and so it's it is something around like flipping the script of it being doom and gloom depression to like room like I want to go and sit with Molly and actually learn more about myself or like helping artists to understand that what they're they once they find their values and know that what they believe in, we, we always like, we, we host um, events with artists to get them to find their climate story. It's the only way that their fans actually engage with the climate is when it comes via an integral truth based story from like my grandmother's house flooded. And I realized that, Oh my goodness, she's going to be in danger. So that's, this is why I believe in it so much. It has to be true. It has to be their own words, not science climate scientists that's like we're all gonna die we've got our you know sorry it, it just doesn't work and it's engaging heart and mind voila and i think we can go from there <laughs> something that i would add so much in the space that i'm in and something i'm haven't figured out and i'm in constant inquiry around is accessibility and how it is that we can allow the practices that i see as completely key to our health, our emotional stability, our nervous system stability, everything that for me creates the foundation to actually feeling good so that then there can be connection and allow it, like Alice said, to be integrated, to be woven in and not something that you're going over here to have this experience of, like, oh, I'm going to go to this wellness event, I'm going to have all these experiences and then I'm going to return to my life and be in the office for these hours or be mothering for these hours with no access point to the deeper work and I haven't figured out that answer I'm really trying to shift within my own coaching practice how I can make it more accessible how I can reach more people not to reach more people to make more money but to reach more people so that it becomes more normal and I would say that's one piece that I feel is where we can 
begin to create change and that needs to be shifted. And then the other piece is this concept of purpose and directionality and the way in which when now I feel like there is such a culture of find your purpose, find your thing and dive into that, which I think is so beautiful for people who are really, really passionate about something. And I think that also I've really shifted my own coaching practice to include this concept of exploration. Abby and I were speaking the other evening at dinner around Elizabeth Gilbert's concept of curiosity over passion. And if we can actually create a normalcy around explore, you don't need to find your thing by the time you're 30 years old. And it's okay to dip and explore and be curious and to find the thing that actually is really, really meaningful for you. And we see so many people trying to bring on purpose. And I think that feeling on purpose can be something that we can actually feel in all of the exploration and in all of the curiosity. And this is something that I'm constantly trying to integrate as I've definitely been in a huge shift in my career from music into sound, into more movement and dance and meditation. I'm constantly changing and shifting and I'm working to release the ideas that in that, this is not a career because it's not linear. And because I'm not developing in one arena, I'm developing in many. And that can actually be as worthwhile because it's bringing fresh and constant meaning. Makes you just breathe and relax into living. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to reiterate something Molly said earlier. I don't actually know if you spoke this or I intuited through between the words. So maybe I'm completely off. But somehow about like the importance of self-love and self-worth. Because if we really look at what's happening at the climate, like humanity's killing itself slowly and not so slowly now. But so I think at the end of the day, there's there's this twofold thing. There's a path of self-worth and self-love and a, and a realization of our interconnectedness. And I would even say that I think that the issue is is a general like anesthesia that we might have in modern society right now towards feeling, you know, and, and music opens that door often. Um, and, you know, lyrics have a really, they have a, they have a power, vibration or, or beats and how, even like, you know, I have a son and I'm very aware of how many beats per minute the songs that I play for him have because what happens when we get such high intensity on a regular basis is we stop being able to sense. And to sense, you need a balance also of the slowness to be able to even pay attention enough. And so that's part of what I mean by the numbing is like the, and there, there's a, a really beautiful um, writer, Trisha Hersey, who speaks about grind culture in this way, right? There's, there's this like on the go, on the go, on the go, and you hear it. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'm leaving all the space for we don't all have to have the same, you know, musical tastes. But if we're like in this rhythm all the time, that's like really fast. It's like lovemaking. What kind of lovemaking are you, are, is like, no, that's not going to be, you know, that's not, that's not making love. There are, there's, it's not sexy. It's not sexy. And I think, I think that's part of the... Just We're, we're kind of relearning, and we're, we also rec recognize ourselves as like a, a baby of a species, right? So like, what does it mean to really make love? Even if we haven't, haven't felt it either in a long time or ever in our life, like we know. And, 
and we have to clear like some of what we might have picked up along the way or witnessed or watched but there's a deepening into feeling into a listening into a giving and an offering and so if we can help bring ourselves first and then each other into this you know way of walking in the world i think that's part of where climate culture and consciousness like begin to become one thing and i would even you know consciousness is kind of there but self you know the the the, the illusion that that's a thing over there and that's that problem but this merging together and the ability to feel enough the ability to grieve enough and then the ability also to believe in ourselves enough to say we're going somewhere else you know as a as a human species we're going to bring so much magic and life and love into the world and into the space that we're going to be remembered as game changers in these transitionary times it, it, it's interesting to reflect on the emotions that come up when you even try to think about climate change it is a creative and storytelling challenge to kind of navigate it because it's it's grief it's anger it's despair it's denial and you know you mentioned doom uh, I think that's almost our biggest challenge at the moment we've sort of slowly crawled our way out of a period of climate denial but just as quickly it feels like slipped into a, a paradigm of, of climate doom, which only serves to make us feel more paralyzed, put our head in the sand, turn a blind eye, and totally disengage. And this is where I think the potential of music and storytelling in its more expanded definition across the arts, across dance and poetry and everything that you guys offer is absolutely fundamental because you can engage the heart and mind you can journey through those emotions um and and carry people uh i think it is terrifying the idea that people are just completely shutting down with the issue and, and just don't want to engage and so what do we do i think we have to experiment you know every space in london a, a, a bafta talk with climate storyteller saying how do we do this? We've, we've, we've left the era where we just shout about the problem. It's no longer about saying, you know, even four years ago, when, you know, you've, you've been in this longer than me, but the, the thing was, the name of the game was, there's an issue, wake the fuck up. Climate change is happening. And now it's, we've sounded the alarm. I'm just imagining like <laughs> just a beat behind that. that. There's an issue, no, wake the fuck up. Totally. There's an issue, wake the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like that already... The nice. shouting becomes music to us, and we're like, "Yeah, I need to." Wait. Or like, you know, I love Rage Against the Machine, and and it's very not something I would have expected. But I just remember hearing the lines like, "You know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me." And like, what does that do to you energetically? You know, and I, and I love what you're saying because the doom, it's like this density. It's this like yeah. boom, we can't do anything from that place. And the the role of the of creativity and, and poetry is to like kind of like look for the windows of like where can we enter here, and I and and I feel that you know, yeah, yeah, just you know looking for those windows, and I I I acknowledge the complexity. You can't just start talking about the statistics in a song and like often t I don't know if anyone's been to some of these like UN you know like they get all these artists to like create a song and then it's just like cringe. it's cringe it's cringe <laughs> why 
Well, Lil one Dicky. Of, we love the uh, earth and other planets. But like, and then, you know, what's, what's one of the commonalities across all genres that everybody sings about? Love. Mm. Romantic love. Charles Eisenstein talks about this. He says, what if we stopped looking at the earth as our mother earth and we start looking at her as a lover? And I found that really incredibly beautiful, you know, and the ways we can like subtly communicate this and we can turn our forms of communication, like we have to be more intelligent than we can even, you know, imagine, but especially as, as let's say the dominant cultural norm in our ability to like subtly weave in these these nuggets of truth, you know, that, that uplift and, and open us and, and call us forward to wake the fuck up. Yeah. I'm imagining, like, the closing night tonight at Dalton Villa and, um, mm-hmm. you know, Pete Tong plays his new song that's like, everybody lie down and rub your hands against the ground and love Mother Earth. But they would do it. They're like, they're de- the fans are devoted. It's not that hard, you know, like, to, to actually put making love with Gaia, Mother Earth, into a lyric and for people to really start thinking about it. Yeah. And, and just as Molly said before, for that to happen, like, we have to... Like, the, the artist has to start with caring. It can't be a forced thing. So that's also another contemplation that I love to ask people, like, you know, have do you feel a love for the Earth? When did it start? Mm. Do you remember a moment? Like I spent a lot of my life completely blind to the beauty of of nature. And for me, like mushrooms and substance use has actually been a devailing, and that's the truth, you know, and I'm gonna be a part of my activism is also about these allies that help us not numb ourselves. And I remember seeing, you know, the ocean for the first real time and and it being like an orgasm to my eyes, you know. And from there, everything is born. But the first seed has to be to care enough for you to even let that influence your art. And then have you ever tried making love to the earth? Oh my God. <laughs> it's another whole question. Or Tell making love it. with the earth. <laughs> no, but I'm sure it makes most people on this planet cringe. But it's, it's a beautiful thing to do. And try it. You know, see how it feels. It might blow your mind. I mean, I would love like a, a trap lyric instead mm. of talking about some of like the ways that we talk about sex to be like have you rubbed your pussy on a rose before because <laughs> i have and it was yeah, damn good you know? <laughs> they well they that was it 40 days without what was that film called there's like a 40 days without having sex and there's this scene in it where there's like these petals blowing up a woman the woman's stomach and they, they, they had taken a vow of celibacy, so they couldn't have sex. But it's one of the most erotic scenes in the film. It's just petals blowing up a belly. Amazing. We're making climate sexy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Malta, do you want to share something? Or? Um, We've gone on a strong detour here. <laughs> well, not really. It's very it, relevant. <laughs> None of us really expected it. Exactly. <laughs> we, we love a detour. We love a detour. Um, that density that you describe of the doomism just reminds me of the idea of, you know, the weight of the world. And I think people are partly feel paralyzed by the issue because it's like, where the fuck do I start? The change is so monumental. The transition we're going through is so monumental. So I would love as final reflections for each of you perhaps to share 
a piece of advice for how one finds their role in this movement? Because for sure everyone has one, right? Whatever industry you're in, uh, whether you're in the belly of the beast, in the corporate beast, whether you are a musician, whether you're an artist, there is the potential for you to paint a vision of a better world and that is the role of art and music. Um, what advice would you each have for anybody listening and anybody here to find their role and what they can offer? I can begin on this one. I would say to initially create a life or to work towards creating a life that has enough spaciousness that we have the time to connect to nature as just one fundamental thing that I would love to feel everyone integrating, not seeing ourselves as I have to go and visit nature, but really I am being in her. And whether you're living in a city, whether you're living in a rural environment, to find the tree, the flower, the bird, and just to begin to pay more attention and see what that does. So creating that spaciousness and that could be from 15 minutes a day to hours a day, but working towards that as something which is more deeply integrated. And then in terms of finding our own connection, our own purpose, for me and my journey, it begins with having capacity, and that capacity looks like having my own emotional stability and my own physical stability. And so I prioritize those things in my life so that then I have more capacity to share and to give because I don't want to continue seeing a grind culture where in order to give, we have to wear ourselves down and we're giving from an empty cup. And so part of the reason why I prioritize and it's so close to my heart to feel equilibrium, homeostasis, body, mind, heart, and spirit is so that we actually then have the capacity to give back and to listen deeper as to where it is that we can contribute. <laughs> so that. <laughs> and I would say um, find your tribe. There's nothing like finding a group of people who you see eye to eye with and can be around that have similar... Find your values first. It's a huge piece. Five things that are so important to you that you will not dissuade yourself from. Friendship, self-love. It can be very basic, but just find out what's really important to you. Um, but there's so many people doing amazing things out there for the climate who are, that are action-based. So local, within like one mile radius of where you, or one kilometer radius of where you live, figure out who's doing something for the climate there. And that will be a community of people that you can really connect with. I agree with everything that's already been said and would add the denumbing that we spoke about earlier to be able to feel enough. And I would, I would actually say that if any of us are like looking for our mission, you know, or even 
even that word can sometimes be a trap because as Molly spoke, our, our mission and our voice is constantly evolving. So let's say you found it for a time and then you feel a little discombobulated. Um, to really actually like make an internal statement of, I wish to be an agent of positive change in this world. Please help me see how I can best do that. And to constantly ask ourselves that question like each morning upon waking and know that we have all been given like gifts and, and in equal proportion and have this like specific magic melody to add to the orchestra of the world and we need like all of our particular magic to to do this thing, you know? And 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 that's what I feel is that as we align closer to that, to like our personal gifts coming as an offering in service to the world inevitably that service will be in that specific niche or genre or passion of whether it's you know climate or whales or self-love i think that all of them if they're coming from service are actually part of the same movement that's helping bring humanity forward thank you the three of you let us um embody the values we want to see in the world thank you for being here and joining me in conversation and thank you all and thank you, Joe Yule, for hosting us on the Reset Thanks, Rebel Joe. Times a Percent podcast. Reset Rebel, Reset Rebel, Reset Rebel, Reset Rebel. The participants of Earth Percent And everyone at the IMS Thinking we are not a minority, not a 1% We are the silent majority, yeah If you doubt it, look into the eyes of you and me There is aspiration, there's a will, there's a way And we can do it while we play Rebel! <laughs>